you mean, Arthur? That noise is singing, you silly bucket. What? Me teach you how to sing? Well, I don't know if I can, Arthur. You see, it's rather complicated. But perhaps I can explain music if I try to sing you the explanation. You see, there's a kind of sound you won't find in your mem. Recall, when you add a note to one, you sound it just before, and another one after that, and then another three or more, and suddenly you are singing notes galore. Oh, no, Arthur, it's wrong. There's a kind of feeling when you sing a melody, and another person sings along in harmony. It's the loveliest thing that you can do to make your voice sound grand. Things are the things you never will understand. If you could only give it a try and see if they're true, your voice would float like a feather and we'd sing together our tune. Just get your circuits puzzled, I'll hear half a dozen will do. If you can get them ringing, then we all will be singing with you. Now sing, R2. Yes, that's a good start, but try putting the notes where they belong. Again? But never give up till you know that you're singing a perfect song. We know that you can do it, that you get through it, our tune. Your every friend is better as a great duet beside you. Don't give up now, you're flying so high, you're up in the blue. Just keep that music coming and soon we'll be humming with you. Oh dear, let me see now. Yes, just imagine someone who does not know how to love. Could you teach him how to do it with a photograph? Or a diagram of the human brain or some such silly scheme? Never tickle his funny bone and watch him scream. <laughs> well, the same is true of music, as I think you see. It's a little more than someone saying, do rain me. It's a little like jumping out in space with no firm ground below. The best that you have, maybe up and away you'll go. The time is now, we're showing you how it's over to you. Your voice will pop like a feather, let's all sing together or two. Come take that chance, that physical dance, that type of review. And with those notes you're bringing us, we all will be singing with you. Now you try it, Artu. Oh, Artu, I knew you could do it. I knew it. Again. Now get your circuits together. Are you ready? Take a solo.
Artu, Merry Christmas. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. Merry Christmas. Like a massive dynamic. You ambition. You see him. He's a freaking short Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I do. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. What are you talking about? Well, that's the, from the beginning of Star Wars. This is a show about Christmas. It's not about space. They have Christmas in space. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is our Christmas episode, episode 190. Yay! Cool. <laughs> yep. I'm, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm Sierra Garcia. And we are with us tonight two very special guests that, well, they're strangers to the diner in a little in a little way because it's been a while since they've been here, but they have been on before. we with us, John Frege. Hola, como estas? Ah, estoy bien, y tú? And, and uh, Ringos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And with us as well is Dayton Ward. I'm just going to go with Hi. Yeah, that's probably safer. Or we can start whipping out our German. I know English and profane English. Yes. And and being that this is a family-friendly show, we're going to try and avoid the profane English. But all right, you know, there are some times when you when you add uh, when you have Kevin Dillmore into the mix, it's all bets are off. Oh well, y'all. Yeah, I was going to say you just need to buckle up and hang on. (laughs) Exactly. Let's find out a little bit about uh, our two special guests here tonight for listeners that we have a listeners miles that have joined us and M that have joined us over the past year that may not have ever heard these voices and they but they uh, need to yeah they need it they need to hear other voices in their head other than the ones that they're currently listening to right now and so uh Dayton Ward why don't we start off with you tell our listeners a little bit about who is Dayton Ward well for for the the geek and the nerdy among us I am a writer of science fiction and within that genre I also write a lot of media tie-ins which that's mostly Star Trek so if you like Star Trek novels from pocketbooks I'm one of the guys who writes them on occasion I've been doing it for about 15 years now Right, and uh, and you were also, uh, my understanding is, uh, recently nominated for some uh, award in audio drama. Not so much myself, but uh, the group of people who took one of my stories. Uh, I wrote a story called The Adventures of Space Marshal Dylan McCade, which is kind of a throwback to uh, old-time radio serials. And they adapted it for the audio format and got a cast of voice actors and special effects and music and created this audio program. And it's been nominated for something called the Audioverse Awards. Right. Uh, so we're competing against a lot of stuff that's been out there for a while, some people that have been doing it for a while. This is our first time wading into this particular pool, so it's kind of exciting. That is kind of cool. And if, if listeners want to find out a little bit more about the space adventure, where can they find it? You can come to my website, DaytonWord.com, and I've got pages devoted to uh, the character and the story and the audio drama and links to go listen to everything. And then, by the way, it's all for free, so if you're interested in listening to it, you can listen to it and read the story for free. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Morning, kids. Uh, DaytonWord.com is sometimes PG-13. 
Yeah, <laughs> there is yeah ex- that's true. Yeah, <laughs> true. There, is, there is an explicit warning on the top of the page, so right, uh, right. Tread, tread carefully. Right, that's right. That's a, <laughs> I saw that tonight when I was on datingmore.com. But all right, <laughs> John, how about you? Uh, I well, I am uh, John Frazier. I've been a nerd for 44 years on this planet, and um, I've always tried to leverage my nerdiness in some way to, to give me some kind of benefit. And luckily for the last eight years, Think Geek has uh, looked upon me and said, you know what, we need to find, we need to like dig the stuff out of your head and put it up on, the, on our website and put it, uh, make it up for sale. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last um, eight or so years now is uh, finding cool All stuff on the internet that is hopefully appealing yeah. <laughs> to, to geekdom out there and trying to make it, trying to make it a little bit more awesome. You're the reason I have less discretionary cash. Yeah, I've got a lot of my money. <laughs> you know, part of me is really sad to hear that, but part of me isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a big part. <laughs> yeah. Papa needs a new pair of shoes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I was just on the website tonight, and they've really, I think he has really expanded their line as far as the different lines of merchandise they're carrying that appeals to different levels of fandom. Oh yeah, I mean we've uh, we've kind of exploded. I think um, our art department has actually been yelling at us because we've been launching so much new product. I think we launched um, upwards of 150 items in the last couple of weeks. Oh my uh, gosh! Which is a record for us. Wow, wow! And in uh, what you you used to do a lot of stuff with video. What, what's your role now, kind of in the Think Geek world? Yeah, so Think Geek, I was the um, 13th employee, lucky number 13, and now we're over 60 um, in-house oh, wow. employees. Um, and it was, early uh, in the early days, we were all very, um, you know, we had mul- multiple hats. And so for a while, I was uh, buying uh, product, I was creating new product, I was writing copy, I was doing photos, and I was doing some uh, videos for the, for the site as well. And as we grew, I just couldn't do all those jobs, so we kind of got siloed into... You do this, you do that. So I built this nice little video department and uh, sort of let it go, sort of cast it adrift and let it go out to sea like a Viking funeral. Um, <laughs> hopefully with less fun. Uh, but yeah, those guys are doing great. I'm really proud of, of their work. But right now I'm just um, I'm buying stuff, but I'm also in uh, some product design aspects. Awesome. So uh, if, if, there are any, if there's any product out there that doesn't exist... Let me know, and I'll talk to my factories and see if they can make it for you. Awesome. Awesome. I have a list. <laughs> I was thinking that, yeah. too. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk Rachel, I might put you on speed dial. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, uh, before we go into the show, um, we want to thank the Chronic Rift Network that we are now a part of and all the great shows that they're doing uh, and put out this holiday season. If you haven't checked out their network of shows, please do. A lot of good shows. HG World, M, which you're a part of, is on that. Mm-hmm. The Bionic Podcast, which I believe the Cyborgs, that Dayton, you've been a part of that, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a semi-regular uh, guest host for on Cyborgs. Yep, so uh, so that that there, and uh, so they, they put out a lot of good podcasts. Oh, yeah. so. And as always, you can support the diner by visiting our Amazon affiliate store, and you can find that at the sci-fi diner podcast.com. Well, our menu tonight, yay! Our menu tonight really is. Um, we're talking about our top five gifts, geeky gifts that we're excited about for this Christmas. We are going to announce our trivia winner here in just a second, and um, and then we'll, uh, we'll then we'll go from there. 
All right. Well, let's move into our trivia tonight. Miles, it's my understanding that tonight we have a winner of our trivia. That's right. We do. And so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, what, what was the trivia question and what did they have to do to win this and uh, what were they winning? Okay. We, we, we threw a lot of softballs last few trivia questions and this time Mitch, a little more challenging. So this is, this was a question. Does thinking you're the last sane man on earth make you crazy? Because if it does, maybe I am. And we and you, you our listeners, would give us the uh, the actor who said it, maybe his his character from more geek cred and the movie. Yeah, and uh, we did, ha- and they were vying for what prize? They were vying for the um, the uh, Nate Grayston uh, print. Neil, uh, Neil, Neil Grayston print, yes, and um, so. It's signed, by him. It's, it's signed by him, and there's pro- probably his DNA is still on there, there so you go. can you can clone your own little Fargo. That's right. Mm-hmm. Think Geek can do that for you. They can do anything. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's why. That's why here, yeah. cloning is their specialty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, and uh, <laughs> and our winner, tonight. Our, yes, our winner is uh, Paul uh, Chatlin. So Paul. Uh, Get, we'll uh, we'll get this out to you as soon as we can. Yeah, I have an e- I have his email. I'll email him and we'll find out his Great. address. But congratulations, mm-hmm. Paul! Great cheering there. Uh, so the the answer was uh, Will Smith, who played Detective Spooner from iRobot. Very good, very good. All right. Well, we are about to embark on our top five geek, geek gifts. Before we do that, we want to play a promo tonight, and that promo is for the Gatecast. Uh, Gatecast continuing to their, uh, I want to say slog, but it's not really a slog. That's kind of a negative term. Uh, their, their journey through the, the, the Gate world of, mm-hmm. of Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis, they have to be close to finishing SG-1 by now. They're still in season nine. They're probably about halfway through. So what, there's ten seasons of that, right? Correct. Yeah, so they have a little bit to and plus, uh, they, they just, they're about the middle of season two of, uh, of Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, so a lot of Stargate left for them to kind of oh, yeah. do the episode, a uh, little Mystery Science Theater episode mm-hmm. reviews of those podcasts, of those uh, TV shows. So. Yeah, uh, one co-host is from England, the other co-host is from Ireland. That's, it's great. Yeah. So, all right, well, uh, here's the promo. Make sure if you had a chance to check out their podcast. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Mike. We are two guys with far too much time on our hands, exploring the tales of Stargate Command episode by episode. With commentary about our favourite SG team's adventures. You mean the girly kick-ass team from Atlantis? No. We are talking about Jack O'Neill, Sam Carter, Daniel Jackson and Teal. They make up SG-1 along with General Hammond, Dr. Fraser and Walter, who lead the human race towards new worlds where people have certainly been performing some of them for a very, very long time. Then there's Shepard, Taylor, McKay, Ford and Ronan, who explore the Pegasus Galaxy. And on board Destiny, Rush, Young, Eli, Greer and Scott. Each week a new episode will be discussed along with news, birthdays and listener comments. Visit the website at gatecast.co.uk. Search for us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus and iTunes. Or via your preferred podcatcher. Join us and enjoy the adventure that is Stargate SG-1, Atlantis and Universe. Gatecast. By fans. For fans. Stargate forever. We're back, and we're going to talk tonight about our top five geeky gifts. And here is kind of the rules, and Dayton informed me earlier on that we break rules here. So, um, um, But the, the rules were basically 
any five geeky gifts that we want, and they can be realistic, non-realistic, and so I did a kind of combination of them, and um, and we're going to kind of alter who starts first, but this is our number five, and I'm going to be honest right up front, the mine are in no particular order, but uh, but they're just there, and uh, Dayton, I have you slotted to go first. Are you ready to give us your uh, number five? Yeah, I suppose. Um, I've got a mix, too, of things that, you know, that I, I could conceivably get from a from a from a uh, benevolent benefit you know a benevolent gifter or and then of course the number one one will be the one that uh, i'll have to get a divorce first that's not the captain's chair is it again no no, no. Uh, but no but i did think about it i did think about it uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh, easy on the first one um i'm a music buff and specifically, when it comes to my writing, I love movie scores and film scores and uh, television scores. And last year, my big Christmas gift that I actually did get was the uh, complete uh, collection for all the music from the original Star Trek series. Wow. It was like a $200 set, 15 CDs, every note of every piece of music ever scored for the for the show. So now that I've got that holy grail put aside, now I'm starting to work on the easier-to-get items. And the one I want now for this year is the Star Wars original trilogy uh box of the, the soundtrack set this is every every piece of music scored or composed by john williams for uh, the first three star wars films i'm sorry the you know the the three star wars films i heard there were three prequels but i'm not buying into that <laughs> that's just a myth that's, just that's a myth, myth. Like exactly right that's right. exactly right I, I i refuse to believe it they're non-canonical so, that right right yeah so that's my uh that's a that's a fairly uh reasonable uh, gift item request. Yeah. My, yeah, back in my coding that? days, back in my coding days, way back in the day, I used to uh, listen to those three, uh, or, you know, complete John Williams soundtracks of Star Wars, Empire, and, and, and Jedi, um, yeah. and just uh, just on loop. I would just listen to those yep. over and over and over again. The very first soundtrack that I ever bought with my own money uh, was the two-record vinyl set for Star Wars in 1977. Awesome. From a department store. That's awesome. Wow. I still have it somewhere, but um, that was the very first yeah film score that I ever bought with my own. And I listened to that thing to death. I wore out so many needles on the old record player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you still have a record player? No, I don't. But I still have a couple of vinyl albums because you know just can't part with them. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So I guess the question is, we're saying that the original three are canonical. What are we going to say about the J.J. Abrams three that are coming up? We'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. probably probably the best way to say. It. John, Apocrypha. how about what was that? Apocrypha. Yeah, there, 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 <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, John, let's move into you. Uh, what uh, what for you is your number five? My number five, um, they've been remastering all of the uh, episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation for high depth. They had the originals on film. Um, when they transcoded it down to videotape, it was in the standard definition 480p. Um, it was very, uh, uh, I guess, modeled color-wise. The detail just wasn't there. Um, it was kind of a, it was good enough for, for broadcast TV in 1986, but, uh, you know, nowadays it, every, every blemish shows every, uh, wire, uh, hanging the models w- was visible in, in high depth. So they cleaned up all of the, all of the prints, redid some of the, um, uh, some of the special effects 
And the results are amazing, so amazing that they would release uh, a couple of episodes, a couple of highlight episodes from each season to the big screen. And my wife and I, we would go to our local theater and we would, you know, pay our 12 bucks to go see episodes of Star Trek uh, broadcast on the big screen. And it just looked incredible. So they've been releasing... Yeah, they've been releasing the seasons one after another, uh, a few seasons a year now, and we're up to season five on Blu-ray, which is available um, on Amazon for about seventy-eight dollars. Um, it's got you know, it's got Darmok on it. It's got Inner Light, some, two of my absolute favorites. Um, gosh, what else is in that season? First Duty, Unification, uh, oh, yeah, Cause and Effect. Yeah, yeah, keeps getting blown up over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, that one with... Um, yeah. No, the, the series has never looked as good as it looks now on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It's it, it never looked that good even when it was originally broadcast because, like John was saying, they when they, they filmed everything and then when they composited everything for broadcast, it was done on videotape, so you lost a lot of that resolution, especially in the, in the, in the optical effects. And mm-hmm. there was this mottled, washed-out look to the, entire, to the entire show. And the first time I saw... Uh, a, a sample of what they had done with the high def transfer. They had a sampler disc that came out uh, ahead of the first season release, and it was like Encounter at Firepoint, which is, and then a couple other. I think they had Sins of the Father, and then one other one that I'm blanking on. But it was uh, the difference is astounding. Even in the DVDs that came out, you know, a few years ago, the difference is it's like night. It's like the, it's like the jump from VHS to DVD when we were all blown away by that. That's the level of in, of the incre- of the increase in quality we're talking about here. There's color that you never knew was there. There's detail in the sets you never saw. It's a, it's amazing. It's not a good enough adjective. <laughs> yeah, there were seams and ribbing on some of the set pieces that you never saw before. Uh, it just looks sort of the same mottled gray and taupe. And, and the uniforms. Oh, there was. Oh yeah. The uniforms and the and the computer displays are just gorgeous. The uniforms look gorgeous. The the bright red. It's a really deep wine color for that red that kind of washed out in the old. Tape, on the old tape and DVD sets, and hmm. it's just—it's just amazing. Yeah. I was completely blown away the first time I saw the the pilot, yeah. redone in high def. Yeah. Well, awesome, awesome. I have not seen—I don't think I've ever seen—I don't think I saw any of those in Blu-ray. Did you, Miles? Not yet, but I keep hearing good stuff about it. Right, right. And uh, Dane, did you see any of them in the theater like John did? Oh yeah, I was—I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. They—they <laughs> they did it for uh, two or three. They did it for. Two or three of them, right, John? I forget. Yeah, they did season oh, they one. Had a, yeah, yeah, they, season they one, one, a couple two and of three. Yeah, yeah, they did a, they did like when where no man is or no one has gone before and um, data lore for the first season, and then they did measure of a man, which uh, yeah, measure and I forget what the other one was that came with. Oh, Q who, the the first Borg episode, but measure yes. of the man was notable because they added in fifteen minutes of footage that they had cut from the original. Uh, cut of the of the episode for broadcast. There's like an entire, and every min, almost every minute is makes that episode even better than it already is. Oh, that's awesome! Um, and the way they did it was apparently the only surviving copy of the of that longer cut was on a videotape they gave to the writer, Melinda Snodgrass, and she had it in a box in her house. And they came calling and said, "By the way, do you, do you happen to have that old tape that we sent you?" <laughs> and she happened, and she had it. So they they took that tape and they you know they they ran it all in and they washed it all through the computer and and brought it up to spec and you can't tell, you know where the source is but I mean that's how much effort they put into it it's wow. it's amazing that is awesome that's awesome, um how about you uh, what what comes in at your number five? So, 
I have I still do not own a gaming console and have always wanted to and every time I finally decide on when something comes out. So when PS4 and the Bone were released and talked about, I did a lot of reading and I have decided that if my discretionary money does not go to Think Geek or any Christmas money that I get, I am going whole hog and I am buying uh, buying everything I need for PS4 so I can play all the doofy games I like, so I can play Dance Dance Revolution and also um, there's a lot of first person shooter games that I've been getting into. And I, I just, I want, I don't want the gaming console. I want the whole shebang. I want to be locked up, fingernails growing two inches long. People haven't heard from me three months kind of set up where all I do is game all friggin' day. And I would like it in PS4, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's not much to ask. No, 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 not, not at it's all. It's not too much to ask. No, it's no. not. It's from, uh, I mean. Wow. I don't. I the, these are from the opinions and the information I've gotten from the people who are hardcore gamers, and I am still looking for more feedback because there's more talk of how um, the one is is actually not as bad as people had presumed it was going to be. So I'm I'm still looking for feedback feedback, but I believe the PS4 is 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 the dream. Yeah, see that's yeah, why I don't buy a gaming console because I will be like that. I will have the fingernails. <laughs> yeah. Nobody will see me for months. Right, the- right. You know? And your wife will get the divorce. <laughs> yeah. And all my friends are total trolls. So if I invite them over to play with the Xbox One, which I do not have, but if I had one. I would, you know, how they have the voice command Xbox on. As soon as I start playing, all my friends would walk in the room and go Xbox off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Oh man! Miles, how about you? What comes in at your number five? I may get a little hate for this, but that's okay uh, because it. I own I own all Star Trek movies, and I want to start getting them on Blu-ray, but. I want Star Trek uh, Into Darkness on Blu-ray for Christmas. the, it, it, it's kind of weird. I, I can watch. I watch the movie. I'll, I'll nitpick it where where it, it, it's hurting. But then there's times where I'm really enjoying the movie. Um, so I, I want to watch it again in, in my home and on my own system. I also want to see what was uh, what didn't make the movie and watch some of the behind the scenes stuff that that uh, that that's there. So I just want to have that in my collection. You know, I haven't heard a ton of feedback about the Star Trek Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I haven't either, uh, which is interesting. Did any, any of you guys watch the uh, Star Trek Into Darkness Blu-ray? Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, what are your thoughts on it, the way it translated to the Blu-ray and what they had and the features and so on? Oh, I mean, it, it looks gorgeous, just like it did on the big screen. Um, I think the biggest thing that came out about the Into Darkness Blu-ray was the fact that they had created so many different versions of it with retailer-specific incentives. Like, you had to go to Target if you wanted that behind-the-scenes nugget or that extra feature or you had to go to best buy for this you had, if you wanted the collectible case you had to go to walmart if you wanted another collectible thing you had to order from amazon and it was kind of ridiculous after yeah. a while it was kind of a jerk move to the, to the it was kind oh, of yeah. Mm. yeah it was kind of a it was kind of a poor i want the complete uh, thing <laughs> i mean it, yeah it was, i mean you really have to be a hardcore collector to want to go after all that stuff to begin with but i mean they know that and that's how they I think it's a kind of a crappy way to treat your fan base. Personally. Uh, no, I agree. I agree with that. It's a bit of double dipping. It, it certainly yeah. is. Yeah. So for my money, I went and got the Target one. It had everything on it that I cared about. Uh, Maybe that's the one I'll ask for. Yeah, there you go. You got the iTunes one. Yeah. 
And the iTunes one was uh, good enough for you, John? Yeah, that's all I wanted. I just wanted the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Um, well, for my number five, I actually was on this site called thinkgeek.com, and they have a, a beautiful Doctor Who TARDIS door cling uh, that you can put, like, over the door. And I want to get one of these, and I want it on the door coming into my classroom at school where I teach mm-hmm. so that when they come into my TARDIS, it's bigger on the inside. There you go. And the idea that, you know, if they learn stuff, they'll become bigger on the inside. There so you go. That, that, that deep thought there. Mm-hmm. But, no, but I like it, and I, I think it's just awesome. I'm a it's sucker Doctor for this thing. thing. I haven't heard of this. What is this now? Yeah. yeah. Doctor, what, what's, what's this Doctor Who you're talking about? No, Doctor the, Doctor, yeah, the Doctor Who TARDIS door cling, which you can find on thinking.com for somewhere around 70 bucks or something. But real cool. They have a lot of Doctor Who merchandise, so... I hear he might catch on. Yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> true, true. Um, by the way, uh, John Dayton, did you guys see the fiftieth uh, anniversary? Yes, yes. I totally I heard not. about. You have not, but John, uh, what did you think of it? It was amazing. It was. Um, uh, I don't want to go into PG thirteen land again, but uh, some some of my friends were likening the uh, likening the. Uh, the, the gifts that the writers were giving to the show uh, in a way that I, I, I can't really describe in mixed company. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a wonderful present <laughs> that uh, Moffat gave to the fans. There were all these little nuggets of, of Doctor Who fandom, um, uh, little, little elements of, of style that were just amazing, um, little callbacks that were great. Um, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, and it, it was especially so beautiful to see, especially after last season. And I, I mean, I, you know, you put Doctor Who on, I'll watch it. But last season had times seemed a bit stilted in the script, scripting with Matt Smith. And, and so when they came out with this, this one was like a breath of fresh air again. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I was just recently, I mean, you couldn't watch BBC America without yet another episode of Doctor Who on. But it was nice because I got to catch up on the previous season. Um, and there were there weren't. There were a few episodes that just were not good, in my opinion. But um, I, the, I, I wasn't a fan of the uh, Minotaur episode, where they were stuck in that hotel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me neither. Being chased by the Minotaur who needed to be worshipped yeah. to survive. I, I just didn't feel right to me. It was that weird. Was disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> and this whole past week, I, so I've been home this whole week recovering from tonsillectomy, and it's been on... All week, so I've been catching up on some of my favorites and remembering what I, it, refreshing a lot of the stuff that I hadn't seen. And the BBC America did a beautiful job of putting together specials on each doctor that prepared me. So all those lovely little gifts you were talking about, I was getting most of them. It's not a big, not a, a full-on Whovian fan, but it was it was such a lovely, joyful like two hours. I was thrilled. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's move into our uh, into our gift four and uh, number four on our list. And uh, John, why don't we start with you this time and tell us what is your number four? My number four is a piece of costume jewelry that uh, I would be wearing right now on my Star Trek: The Next Generation hoodie, available at thinkgeek.com. Um, <laughs> but is a is a Star Trek TNG communicator pin with magnetic clasp. The, the funny thing about this uh, thing is that it was actually uh, cast off of a, 
off an original set piece. They took a set piece from uh, the next generation. I think it might have been uh, one of Riker's uh, communicators, and they they cast it and recreated it in metal, um, and uh, painted it gold, and, and and did the whole thing. And they uh, they presented it to me about a year ago, and they said, "Frage, what do you think of this?" And I said, "Eh, you know, the problem with this is that it actually has." pins in the back that you have to pierce your costume with and as as accurate as this is i want it to pop off without damaging my costume can you put a magnet on it and they said yeah sure so sure enough about three weeks later i got a second sample and there it is with the magnet clasp so i was real excited like yay this this works exactly like you expect it to you know you can pull it off your jacket and put it right back on just like they do on the show it just sort of pops off it's awesome and it's only 20 bucks and it looks better than the actual costume piece. The costume pieces are sort of dull pieces of resin, um, and some of them had little wooden backings with double-sided sticky tape so they wouldn't <laughs> affix to the uniforms. But the real thing is actually shiny, sharp metal. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. They make amazing stuff, too. They, yeah, did the, um, they did the class ring from that you guys have, too, no? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And they took an original <laughs> cast of uh, the model that um, uh, Christopher Pike wore in the first star- in the 2009 Star Trek movie. And they made a second cast because they had to redesign the ring so that the UFP symbol, or so the Starfleet symbol would be larger and more visible since it had such a prominent role in the second movie. Right, right. Now, uh, this is... Uh there's, I know that we've talked about this before, John, but there's still no progress on the fact that they could actually make this into a, uh, a, a com for your light that would sync up with your iPhone or your Android device. It's possible, but the problem is, is that the batteries um, have to be pretty large to operate that as a speakerphone. I mean, those little Bluetooths that you have that are the size of your thumb, they don't have to have speakers that are very loud. Because they're inside your, your in, they're inside your ear. Right. Uh, but on your chest, it's got to, it's got to have a some some wattage behind that speaker. Otherwise, it just wouldn't work that well. And the batteries end up being much larger, uh, and becomes much more impractical. Right. Right. Ah, my camera. It still looks good. Definitely. So. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Believe me, we've tried though. <laughs> I know. Maybe, someday. Maybe someday. We'll keep hoping. <laughs> That's on my uh, wish list, right? Uh, em, how about you? Tell us a little bit. What, what's, what's next in your list? What comes in number four for you? What comes in? So I, at work, I take a lot of notes. I'm a, I'm a doodler. I'm constantly making comments. I like to, I, I help some friends with their audio dramas. I, I'll edit their scripts. And I, I, am, I need to have lightness and simple things. So pen and paper has become annoying for me because I'll spill something on it, I'll ruin it. And I love the iPad so very badly. Like I could, if I'm sure that in Asia I can marry it because you can marry inanimate objects there. Um, I, I, I was looking for something that I could use that would let me transcribe notes straight onto the iPad. And there's this lovely little thing called the LiveScribe smart pen. And there's an addition for tablets. And it's a pen that I can sit and write on a piece of paper, make all the doodles. And it will automatically, it'll through the process of the software within the pen and the iPad, it will transcribe all of that digitally for me so I don't have to do it, which is great because I will lose something. And it'll keep all those little doodles and those little notes that I need. And I, I had an opportunity to play with something like it last year and thought, oh, if only it works on a tablet. And bada bing. It's right there, and it's only 150 bucks, and that would 
that for me would be a great addition to my hobbies with the whole voice acting stuff and making notes. And then also for my job while I'm in a meeting, while I'm taking notes, while I'm doing stuff for the show, it would just be nice to have. So it's very nerdy and I don't need it. I just want it. Yeah. Em, have you used, have you used one of them before? Yes, I do like it. Nice. Nice. Uh, any, uh, takes, any, yeah, go ahead. It, there's a, there's a learning curve to it. There's a process to it so that it, it learns your script but um, the three people I know who have them swear by them. Awesome. So I'm sold. Yeah. Dayton or John, any of you guys use them? I have a LiveScribe lab, lab 1 that I used for a while, and it required the special paper. I had a tiny mm-hmm. little camera that, that tracked the dots that were on the paper. Oh, but what was right. really that's cool was you could, yeah. it had a microphone on it and would record the meeting that you're in, and you would, it would play back... Um, so, so if you went back uh, an hour after the meeting and you hit a button on the pen and you tapped the portion of the page that you were writing on, it would play the audio from that moment, which was really, really cool because it remembered kind of what was being said at what time. It synced up what you were writing and what was being said in the, uh, in the room around you. That was a really, really nifty feature. Right, right. Yeah, Awesome. Well, Miles, how about you? Tell me, what comes in at number four for you? Number four for me is um, I'm kind of in need of new sleepwear. So I was checking out this site. Um, maybe you've heard of it. So it's called ThinkGeek. Um, and this works well with my love for Star Trek. Uh, but they have these Star Trek TNG pajama sets. And I'm looking at, they just look totally badass. Are they footy pajamas? Um, I don't know. They don't, they don't appear to be footy pajamas. But... Um, yeah, I gotta have I gotta have my own set of TNG pajamas, and I, I love the quote here. It's taken off from the episode of Times Arrow. Um, this is from the bellhop. Looks like the missus uh, booted you out in the middle of the night. And Data says, "Ah, I understand the source of your in, your um, misperception, but this is not a sleepwear, and I do not have a missus." <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's the difference between the Star Trek Next Gen uniforms and? pajamas that look like Star Trek. I'm sorry, was this out loud? I'm sorry. I'm talking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing, guys, is that uh, one of my coworkers, um, he actually wore a set of the pajamas as his Halloween costume, just walked around and pretended he was wearing his uniform. Oh, nice. People and probably, no, one, people... no one looked askance at him. It was yeah, I was going to say, no one probably noticed. They're like, oh, it's Star Trek. <laughs> you could probably get away with it <laughs> at a con, maybe, wearing them. Yeah. It depends on the con. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, awesome. But uh, these pajamas look awesome. I, I think I'm going to have to, you know, put that on. I'll admit I was tempted by the, the original series version of this that I saw at the convention in Las Vegas back in August I, because they were across the table, the aisle from us all weekend, and I kept eyeballing it. And I, I, I even walked across and checked sizes at one point. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I can almost get away. Do it, do it. Yeah, the little guy pops up on your shoulder, you know, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, um, because I do a lot of reading, um, reading right now the Wheel of Time series and, and working my way through the Dune saga, which I've never read before. I read the original trilogy. I guess there's six in the original series from Dune, but I'm going back and now reading them kind of in order. Um, I I'm not really into some real, um, I guess Dune the gets into some of the space travel, but I haven't read a good time travel book in a while. And, uh, and I saw that Dayton Ward, you came out with History Shadow that puts Star Trek and time travel all together. 
Oh, very well played. Yeah. I did not pay for this endorsement, by the way. No, no. But uh, <laughs> but so it's a book that I, 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 I Dean, I, I guess I follow you either. It's either Twitter or Facebook, and, and I, I've seen plugs for this book along the way. And it, it's interesting because, I mean, every once in a while, Star Trek plays with time travel, and sometimes it comes off real well, and the next time, not so much. Um, but I'm always fascinated by time travel stories and how they're pulled off. How does this work in your story? Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about the premise of this book? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, and thank you for the free plug. Yeah, um, no problem. <laughs> the, the, it's, the book is it's a Star Trek novel uh, set during the original series time frame, and it's called From History's Shadow. And it's, if, it's not so much a time travel book in and of itself, but time travel does play a part in getting certain pieces onto the game board, so to speak, getting certain characters into certain positions and points in time. And the idea is that um, I, I basically took elements of Star Trek back history, real world history, and wove them together into a narrative that where the story takes place on Earth between 1947 and 1969. If you remember the Deep Space Nine episode, Little Green Men, where the Ferengi are in the spaceship that lands at Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, yeah. They're the aliens at Roswell. Um, there was a character introduced in that episode. His name was James Rainwright. He was an army captain. And I take that character after the events of that episode, and he becomes a member of what eventually will become Project Blue Book for the Air Force, which was a real project that the Air Force uh, conducted between the 40s and the 60s investigating sightings of UFOs. Um, there was also another group called Majestic 12, which has got layers of mythology and conspiracy theory you know, laying on top of it for all these years. So I, I basically took elements of all that, elements of the space race and the Cold War, and wove them all together into a book that's kind of like uh, if you've read the Eugenics Wars novels that Greg Cox wrote a few years ago or several years ago. Oh, yeah. So it just kind of blends Trek history with our history. You know, and I make a few, I make, I pull a few threads in from different directions to marry up characters from the different series. And all it is, the time travel element is the fact that aliens are on Earth. They've been here since the 40s because they came through a time conduit during the temporal Cold War that was introduced on Star Trek Enterprise. And they're leftovers from that war, but they're continuing their mission to make sure Earth never advances to the point where they can be a threat to their home world in the future, hmm. which is what happens to them in that alternate timeline of the, of the Cold War. Hmm. There's a lot going on. I, uh, it's a, it was a very interesting book to write. required a lot of research on my part because of the UFO and the historical elements. So. Yeah. It sounds like it. Well, I think yeah, I had that's. A lot of fun with it. No, I think that's fascinating when people, uh, when when writers blend actual history with, and then you place it in with, uh, you know, the Star Trek universe. That has to be, that has to be, it has to be fun as a geek yourself writing in that universe and blending it with our history. It has to be a very cool experience. So. It was definitely different for me in terms of the you know normally Star Trek books. You know, they, they, I don't want to say they follow a formula, but there's a lot of things that you will find familiar in a typical Star Trek novel. So there's and that this was a nice uh, change of pace. I, I did a lot of work. I'm not ready to jump in and do one just like that anytime soon, but I'd do it again if the right the right story came along. Right, right. Well, definitely. I, I, I read Dayton. It was very. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Very yeah, good. Well, it's on my Christmas list. There you go. Seven ninety nine at your local bookstore. There you go, Dayton Ward. It's up to it's now to you. You're number four. Where, where do you come in at? Well, speaking of books. Um, this is a, it's a book, but it's also a, a collection of comic, uh, it's a comic story. Back in 1979, when Alien was released, um, Heavy Metal, you know, the publishing company that puts out Heavy Metal magazine, they did a comics adaptation of, of the film. And it was, it was uh, written by Archie Goodwin, it was drawn by Walt Simonson, 
and it came out in a graphic novel format back in the 70s. And it's, it had a low print run, went out of print very soon after, and, and copies are kind of hard to come by. Well, a couple of years ago when Prometheus came out, they reissued uh, the original artwork or the original story in two different versions. One was a typical reissue graphic novel, but the one that was the big one was an oversized hardcover, what they call an original art edition. So all the original pencils that Walt Simonson drew on the big comics pages on the blue on the blue line pages are bound in a book, and then they have notes in the margins from the artists and the writer and the editor and all that sort of stuff. So they present the novel in its finished format, and then the 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 original sketch format side by side along with the script, and it's in a huge oversized hardback edition, about fifty bucks. Awesome. So Santa, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. if you're out there, if. If yeah. the Martins, if the Martians haven't gotten you yet. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into our uh, next promo. We're gonna play a promo for the Trekcast. Milo, you said these guys have been releasing episodes again. They have. Um, um, uh, Dave, David Ivy and uh, Darren Benjamin have been uh, recording uh, episodes fairly consistently for the last few months. So. Oh, good. Uh, so that, that's been good. They always put out a solid podcast. It was. Oh, yeah. uh, Sad not to see them out there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, they were on hiatus for a while, but I'm, I'm glad that they're back. Yeah. yeah, they always do a good job. Always do a good job. Well, anyways, here's a promo for the podcast. If you haven't checked out TrekCast, make sure you do so, especially if you're a Star Trek fan. But even if you're not, they put on an interesting show. Listen up, Topaz! You know, see, it's like, hey, I still got a little Star Trek in me. I'm built on mid-21st century civilian clothing. Yeah, well, next time you see a guy that looks like Wolverine, poke me. Yeah. Oh, cocktail. Highball and cocktail. Highball cocktail. Oh, God. This is getting bad. <laughs> You're listening to TrekCast, the Star Trek podcast, www.trekcast.com. Listen to TrekCast, it'll save your virtual life. <laughs> Back in the continuation of our Christmas show, we are up to gift three here. Em, we are going to start with you. What is on your num? What is your number three on your gift list here? Okay, so I am a big coffee snob. I it's in my genes. Genetically, if I don't have the right kind of coffee in my system at a given time, they take away my Latina card. So <laughs> I'm very particular about how I make coffee. And I have been on the hunt for something very cool and interesting. And it's kind of techie and it's kind of sciencey, but it's just really cool to watch. And it's the stovetop vacuum coffee maker that you put the water in one reservoir and you put the coffee in the other. And as the water, it's a, it's a sealed environment. So as the water begins to boil, the um, vapor pressure forces the boiling water up to mingle with the coffee grounds. And then when you remove the coffee maker from the heat, the vacuum pressure draws the, the brewed coffee back down and f- is filtered through. And it's this supposed to be this incredibly rich, beautiful flavor. And I love that it looks like it's going to explode. I love that it's sciencey and it's very cool looking. So it's funny because it says it's bound to impress your breakfast guests. Screw them. They could go to McDonald's. I'm making this for me. (laughs) 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 They can watch. They're not getting any because it's probably probably using something expensive. So no. (laughs) Nice. You got to put a link of that in the show notes. Like now I want to see it. The way you're describing it, like a vacuum coffee. That sounds awesome. 
It I don't is even very drink coffee, cool but I'd buy one of these. <laughs> I'm sure conceptually, like for tea or crystal meth or whatever you're brewing at home, this should help your knees. <laughs> oh, well, you had me at crystal meth. I'm a down now. <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm a huge coffee drinker. I would totally buy this. My wife would probably kill me. We just got a Keurig, but. <laughs> a Keurig? Uh, oh, we can't be friends. Yeah, exactly. See, coffee <laughs> snob, right. <laughs> All right, Miles, uh, you're up. Tell us about your number three. Well, um, just to keep it simple. I would love to, I'd love to get a few more uh, a few uh, Amazon gift cards so I could get some more uh, great and exciting Star Trek novels from such great authors like uh, Dayton Ward and Kevin Dilmore. Never heard of them. So Never heard you, of them. Check, yeah, you need to check them out. What a hacks, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Loons, they should be in the loony bin. So, Dayton, what's the next uh, Star Trek book you have coming down the pike? Well, it's funny you should ask that. Um, I have... <laughs> I have a book coming out next month, actually, at the end of the December. Uh, it's the fifth book in a five-book miniseries called The Fall, uh, set in the 24th century time frame with uh, you know, several years after the last Next Generation movie. And we have some political upheaval and some intrigue and all sorts of stuff going on uh, in the Star Trek universe. Uh, there's been some tra- tragic happenings. I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything for those who have not yet read any of the earlier books, but basically my book is the last one. It's called Peaceable Kingdoms, and it'll be a next-generation tale, and it's going to wrap up the storyline that has been driving the, 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 five, the four books that come before me. I get to pick up all the loose plot threads and try to tie them up into something that makes sense. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely... No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not, not at all. <laughs> I mean, no, you have to make everything end on a... Don't screw it up, man. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh, we've been. I mean, the, the series so far is the for, the first uh, three books that, that have been out. The, the fourth book just came out today. Uh, its official publication date was today. Um, and the first three books in this series have been largely very well received. Uh, the second and third books actually hit the New York Times bestseller list. Good, that's awesome. awesome. So, so, wow. so Jim Swallow, who authored the fourth book that just came out today, and me, of course, we're sitting here on the sidelines going, "Go, go, 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 go." We're hoping. <laughs> the momentum to uh, carry forward and then bring us along. So I pre-ordered that one, so I, it's probably on my Kindle now. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you, if you pre-ordered a number four on your on your e-reader device, uh, it should have dropped by now. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Cool. Well, coming in at number three for me is uh, something called Star Wars Frames. Um, and this book, when it first came out, was a couple hundred bucks, and they recently come out with a paperback version of it. And what it is is basically George Lucas went through, I don't know, 150,000 frames per film and uh, of, of the six films, the three that aren't a part of the original series and that we don't pretend don't exist and the three that exist. And he took out... Uh, 1,416 images that basically comprise these Star Wars frames, and they were stills that kind of defined Star Wars artistically. And um, I, just looking at some of the images from this book, there are just some iconic, uh, just some iconic images that, that you can see that are in the set that really uh, this really captures that really capture it. And uh, I have a link in the show notes that I'll put there, and it just looks beautiful and. Totally unnecessary for me to own, but I want to own it. I can see why. Yeah, I, it, sounds pretty cool. It is. It, it is. Actually, um, I did not know about this book. It sounds awesome. You know, I, I did not know about this book 
either. So I was just doing this thing. What, what, what do I want my Christmas list? I said, oh, well, this would be if I had someone that could spend a little bit of money on it, you could get this for me. Amazon right now doesn't have it, but they have some links to sellers that do have it. So you can still get it for me for around 90 bucks, a little bit over 90 bucks for it. <laughs> so, so, you know, those, uh, those people with disposable income that aren't spending it on Think Geek or Dayton Ward, you can spend it on me. So. But, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it looks good. And uh, being that I own the entire set on Blu-ray, it's just something I need for my Star Wars collection. Is this, so. is this, uh, who publishes this? Do you know? Um, I, well, uh, let me see. I'm back on. Let me get on back on the site here. It is published. There's well, so many different publishers. So yeah, let me see what they say about the publisher here. Publisher is it's 736 pages. Um, languages in English. <laughs> Publisher Harry N. Abrams. Never even heard of him. But oh, Abram, maybe Abrams, like A B R A M S, just Abrams. Yeah, A B R A M S. If it's if it's the company I think of, they do really good stuff. They do really great gift books and and these little niche yeah uh, type books that don't you know. Uh, I'm trying to think boutique publisher. That's the word. I'm, I'm yeah, well, that, that's who. That, yeah, that's who put it yeah. out. And the book just came out October 29, two thousand thirteen. It just was published. So. Yeah, they do. They've done some good stuff for Star Trek too. So. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Another coffee table. Probably more than a coffee table book for Star Wars. But awesome. Well, let's move into uh, who's who's next here in the list. Uh, who do I have here next, Miles? Is that um, is that Dayton? Dayton, I think is next. Yes. Dayton, go ahead. You have your number three here. Okay. Well, this is a book as well, but it's it's definitely not. I don't think it's going to be quite as flashy as your selection. But, uh, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to support my good friend Larry Nemec. Uh, for those of you who are Star Trek fans, you should know his name. He's one of the foremost authorities on Star Trek work on the set. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, during the years during Next Generation, DS9, Voyager. Um, he's, an, he's something of a historian uh, for Star Trek. He's a very popular convention guest. He's also written a few books. And if, for those of you who watch the fan films that are put out by these various independent groups, he plays Dr. McCoy in the recent uh, Star Trek Continues fan film. Uh, but he's got a book that's coming out from the publisher called Becker and Mayer. It's called Star Trek Stellar Cartography, and this is a high-end gift book that will feature uh, pull-out maps of the entire Star Trek universe uh, in, in glorious detail. So every planet that you've ever heard about on any episode of any show, uh, you'll be able to find it in this, uh, this Stellar Cartography book. Wow. And he and Jeff, Man- I think Jeff Mandel helped him, but don't quote me on that. Um, helped him put together the artwork. Um, so it's a, and it's a, it's a, it's about a, it's a, it's just getting ready to come out. I think it comes out in the middle of of December, and it looks gorgeous. I've seen the maps. I've seen samples of the maps full blown up, you know, laid out flat, so you can see what they look like. It's really sharp. Uh, so anybody out there who's shopping for me, put that down. Yeah, and it comes in. It comes in a little bit cheaper than the book I was uh, recommending. Yeah, so that's for I, sure. I, I probably plan to get at least. I'll probably get a copy just for saving for the rainy day, and then I'll have a copy for you know reference work because I, I do actually use stuff like this for my novel writing. Yeah, well, it looks it looks uh, it looks beautiful the way they have it kind of laid out. So well, I think they're doing it. They did a book several years ago called Star Trek Star Charts, which was kind of an updating of a product that came out years ago called the Star Trek Maps. And the problem with that newer, that later book, the stellar or the Star Charts book, was that the maps really they folded out like gatefold out of the book, but you couldn't really lay them out flat. You really couldn't get after them with a magnifying glass and go nerdy on them. These are different. These are completely. It's like a packet of maps and a book to surround it, and you can lay them out flat. You can mount them 
them, frame them, do whatever you want to do with them, and they're gorgeous. Oh, awesome. If you want to hear Larry Nevercheck uh, plug his this pro- this wonderful project, he was on um, Life After Truck podcast with uh, Chris and Charity Wood. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. May, not quite a month ago. So he, t- he goes into detail on how he uh, compiled it. So, yeah, it, this looks like a fine work. Absolutely. I think, I think Larry and I did the uh, Christmas show last year. Uh, yes, yes, he was. Yeah. Larry's the man. Go right out there and support him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, it is up to you. Uh, what is your what comes in at your number three? Well, again, back to Star Trek historians. Um, some of you may remember uh, Matt Jeffries when he uh, was, you know, napkin sketching out the design for the Enterprise for Gene Roddenberry. He designed several different weird shapes uh, for starships, and one of the rejected designs actually ended up. Uh, canonized in Star Trek The Motion Picture when uh, Ilea was being uh, shown around the uh, the, the uh, recreation deck of the uh, Enterprise uh, refit. And they were showing the sh- many ships named Enterprise, including the aircraft carrier, um, the, uh, the space shuttle, the um, Constitution class, and this weird ring ship, which was the, uh, the XCV-330, uh, some, some called it the Great Experiment. Um, and it was a. Depending on who you ask, it was patterned off of the Vulcan ring ships, um, but uh, oh yeah, it was also redone for um, the uh, the Star Trek uh, Into Darkness when we were painting across the admiral, the bad admiral's uh, desk. He had all these wonderful models of uh, the Wright Flyer uh, and the uh, and um, the, the space station and and the XCV. Uh, 330, the ring ship. And uh, Quantum Mechanics built that for that movie, and it was such a gorgeous model, they, they had to uh, offer it up for sale. So for a mere $1,500, you can have a handmade artisan replica of the, uh, of the prop that appeared in that movie. Uh, I've seen it in person. I've seen the actual prop in person at Quantum Mechanics' office, and it's, and it, and it's just breathtaking how beautiful it is. Uh, so yeah, if anybody's got... Uh, Fifteen hundred dollars. It's going to take a few quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just a few. That's few. it. Does look beautiful though, and uh, I may have to donate some blood or something. Right. Only twenty five available. Black Friday. How big is that? Oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking at the web page now. Yeah, me too. I don't it, see it. Uh, it's seven and three quarters inches in diameter, twelve inches long. Okay. Wow. That's what a gorgeous piece. It is nice. It's awesome. I, I think one of the fan films is going to eventually feature the the Enterprise ring ship sometime. If I'm if I, if I heard uh, correctly. You might be right. You might be right. Well, let's move on into our uh, gift number two as we're counting down our top five gifts tonight here in the Sci Fi Diner podcast. Miles, let's start with you. What comes in at your number two? Well, I'm not sure if the wife is going to be too thrilled about this one, but uh, here it goes. Um, this wonderful website again, ThinkGeek. They um, not just have have things about my love, love for Star Trek and other things, but Firefly, and uh, they have these uh, wonderful posters of uh, the ladies of Firefly, the, the Firefly FM poster set. Um, in uh, the, the Megan Laura posters, yeah, um, and very stylistically too. Um, but um, has you know Anara, Kaylee, and uh, uh, River and Zoe. Um, um, in, in these poses, and uh, they're 12 by 24. Um, they, they, look, they look really good. I don't know where I'd put them, but uh, 
I wouldn't mind having him, though. There you go. Yeah. I guess the bedroom probably wouldn't be a great place for him. That, yeah. Wife, <laughs> might, wife might have a problem with that? I don't have, yeah, yeah, and I don't have a man cave yet, so. All right. But, 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 but they're going to my future man cave. There you go, the future man cave. Here mm-hmm. we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, coming in at my number two, something that I, I always love, the, the geeky type stuff that comes out. I have an Apple TV, but I, I really would love to kind of play with the Google Chromecast, the HDMI streaming media player that they've come out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't know why I totally would need it, except that it'd be kind of cool to play with and kind of experiment with. And I love that sort of gadgetry type of thing. I mean, my Apple TV really functions for my iPad, my MacBook Pro, and everything else I need it for. Um, but I think there's some stuff that you can do with the uh, Chromecast that I think would be absolutely awesome. That I, That's just one of the geeky gifts I think I'd like to have. But have any of you guys played with the uh, Chromecast at all? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I tend to. I've been noticing that I've been watching a lot more YouTube videos. Full uh, the content that's being created there, above and beyond the babies falling down the stairs and everybody laughing videos. <laughs> the cat videos are the are, are these really well done productions. Um, you know, like a, a Geek and Sundry. They're doing that tabletop show. I love that tabletop show. Tabletop. Um, yes, tabletop. So yeah, anything on YouTube is easily just. It, it's a single button operation to put it up on your TV. Awesome, awesome. So, is this like a substitute for if you if you don't have an Apple TV or a Roku? Is this like the next next thing, kind of? Uh, I don't know if it's the next thing. It's just another. Well, it's an alternative one. Wouldn't you say, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An alternate to John, some of those things. John, can you do Prime on that Amazon Prime? I don't think so. It's really kind of designed. Oh, well, I think they're 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 writing an API. Last time I heard, they were writing an API. Uh, Google is being very uh, stingy with its API and only giving it out to a few partners. But I, I heard a rumor that that uh, Amazon Prime is working on it. Oh, very good, very good. Well, I'd like one just to play with because I think it'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Just what I need—a way to watch more things on my TV. I know because <laughs> uh, because literally, I, I you know we, we recorded Sci-Fi Diner and we review these TV shows we're watching. Yeah, I'm so behind. I have no time to watch TV, yeah. and here I want another device to consume more media that I don't have time yeah. to watch. But my DVR, my DVR is like, stop it, <laughs> yeah. stop. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my, Dayton, how about you? What what comes in at number two for you? All right, now we're starting to get into the realm of things that. Are a tad unrealistic. Yeah. So, and I only discovered this today by a chance reading of my Facebook feed. Somebody else had linked to the website where this was being featured, and I immediately wrote it down as you know, it's man cave fodder. It better not so, be. That, it better not be that Spider-Man latex suit. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Just check it. That, that would be it. Kevin wears that on weekends. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Kevin's yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, there was. Uh, this is a, and this is the reason that I'm saying it's not realistic is because I don't believe these are for sale. This is something that someone did as a custom, a custom work for someone's in-home, you know, in uh, their theater, their home theater. Uh, they were developed. They designed a home theater, and this artist and a design firm created 14 individually sculpted tiles that look like the exterior of the Death Star. Dude, I saw that on your Facebook feed. That was awesome. I was blown away by this. I went over to the website and I looked at watched little videos about how they did it and it looks freaking amazing. 
this is the kind of stuff you want on the walls, like you know, to, to accent the walls in your home theater. It, it is uh-huh. looks like you could lay it flat, and you could run the camera down the length of this thing, and then you could composite it in little X-wing fighters and Tie fighters, and do your little your little fan Star Trek or Star Wars movie. It's amazing. It, it's it's 3D. It's you know it's it's got some heft to it. It's not just wallpaper or something. It's 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 amazing what these people did. I have no idea if this is something that's going to be marketed, and if it isn't, why not? Right. Uh, we need <laughs> Lucasfilm because I would buy this in a heartbeat. Yeah. No, it did. It did, it looked very cool. I saw that coming through. I was like, that's awesome. I can never put it anywhere in my house, but that's awesome. <laughs> Apparently, the way this, they designed it on a computer, and then they had it, you know, they, I guess they used 3D printing maybe to realize the tiles, but they come up with like 120 different unique designs for the different tile sections. Awesome. So it's not like just the same three or four of them repeated over and over again like wallpaper. I mean, it's you can go to complete town decorating yeah. your wall. Your, yeah. Yeah, my wife, like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, to- totally, totally with you there. Um, John, how about you? Um, I think, uh, Miles, you were talking about uh, your love for Firefly. Well, I love Firefly, too, um, and I happened to um, get introduced to uh, Dave Chalker, um, who is a uh, game designer, and he was working on Firefly the Game. Now, there was a, uh, an RPG based off of Serenity, and um, I think uh, Fox said, well, we want to play it, too, and we said, okay, that's great. They developed this great uh, tabletop role-playing game called Firefly the Game, um, based on uh, one of Dave Chucker's gaming systems. And it's a lot of fun. If you've never RPG'd, uh, a lot of uh, role-playing games there, they tend to be very mechanical uh, based off of um, the mechanics of combat and movement and blocking and, uh, and uh, bonuses and, and detriments. And it's, it's kind of dull. It doesn't tell a story. It tells, I swing my sword and I do 12 damage. And uh, this guy's blinded, and for the next two turns, he has to do half movement. You know, that's, it's, that's boring. Um, the way the, the gaming system that they've developed is set up is um, you can you can do a thing like I can I can play Jane and I can try and shoot this guy or I can purposefully um, hang out hang out of my hovercraft door and try to do something really acrobatic and if I miss that's okay I get a plot point that I can spend later and do something even more amazing so it sort of it sort of encourages you to develop a story rather than just getting lost in the mechanics of combat. It's a lot of fun. Uh, highly recommend it. And uh, you might, if you look very carefully, uh, you might actually see my name in the playtesters list. Awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's Fancy. awesome. Yeah, I've, uh, I get zero money for that deal, thank you very much. But at least I got to play the game. Yeah, I know. Come that's, on. That, that's, that's like getting paid. I, it is. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I think the other thing that isn't really here but plays into Firefly is that they're, they're working on that 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 um, iPhone or Android game for Firefly. Oh yes, that uh, it's with that trailer to sweat my appetite to do that. But all right, uh, M, you are up for your number two. Tell us what's on your number two. So there's lots of neat, fun, techie things that come out, and I am not just a girl of techie. I love things fashion and fun and different and funky and this season on project runway there was a particular designer that i fell in love with who um, named justin leblanc who is an amazing man in his own right but he made these gorgeous sculptural pieces of jewelry and bags and 
pieces for his dresses and jacket and collars, all from a 3D printer. And his his background is architectural design. And um, as I was reading more and more about it, and I realized, you know, it's only two grand for a really good printer. And I have a very specific taste in what I like for jewelry and what I like for handbags. I want my own damn 3D printer. I want to make my own stuff. <laughs> the, inter- the, the software that's involved with interacting in the design projects, and, and you could even collaborate with people. There's a couple of companies you can work with, and they can help realize the program and then put it into your 3D printer. And like, oh, yeah, I could use something for tomorrow night. Do-do-do-do-do. Look, here's this gorgeous custom piece. And you, it's, it's not only the application for one solid unit, but the fact that you can fabricate textiles with them And in costume construction and in home decor, there are some shapes and, 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 and it's really just the form that you want to follow can be really difficult to create because of the infrastructure you need to develop. But if you, if you can print the shape or print the textile in the shape you want it, so you don't have to worry about the bizarre seaming or, you know, what kind of infrastructure do I need underneath to support this look? It would be amazing. So I, it, it opens up my ability to be like the uber giant fashion queen that I dream that I am. And so I'm not. <laughs> but also get to nerd out like a son of a gun because I got a 3D printer, yo. Yeah. I did actually price them out to figure out how much would it cost <laughs> if I wanted to create my own picture frames, if I wanted, uh, you know, my... I like to make handbags if I want to create my own handles. I want a 3D printer. Uh, how many ramen go. noodles would I have to eat? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how much yeah. ramen do I have to consume from now until <laughs> yeah, exactly. 2087? Exactly. This is so much better than spray on clothing. Oh, no. No. We discussed this. I don't know about this. that. No. <laughs> you mean, no, no, no. Never, ever. We don't discuss that. Like, we don't discuss the JJ word. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. Oh. Uh, <laughs> night uh, but I, yeah that's awesome the 3D printer they, they're doing so much with 3D printing these days so totally geeky gift but, but that's my nerd gift it is totally a nerd gift and that's awesome <laughs> well uh, we're going to move into our last promo tonight before we reveal what our number one gifts are tonight and our last promo is for the Cyborgs a bionic podcast um, Dayton uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you've been on the show. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it before I play the promo? Yeah, sure. Uh, Cyborgs, a bionic podcast, is a show that is hosted by two of my friends, John Drew and Paul Bisson. Uh, they uh, basically, one episode each, they go through the $6 million man and the bionic woman, the classic 1970s uh, shows, one episode at a time. And they, they break it down, they recap it, they analyze it, they, you know, they critique it, they poke fun at it, they, you know, we, we, we have our childhood memories stirred up, uh, all the nostalgia that we had running in slow motion around our playgrounds, because um, that's what I did for most of the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun. I've been on it, I think, half a dozen times now, I oh, think, over nice. the course of the last couple of years, because, you know, it's the way they do it, uh, they spread them out, and there's a, there's a rotating... Uh, circle of guest hosts that, that that we call it the third chair um so yeah i've done it half a dozen times i think i'm actually slated to record an episode next week oh, uh, nice. with them because they're up into they're up they're about halfway through the third season yeah. of the six million dollar man and um they're getting ready to get started on the bionic woman because you know that that show premiered the same year 
Right. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's it's not all uh, uh, gushing and it's not all bashing. It's you know, if we do poke fun, it's with love. Right, right. Well, wasn't that one of your Christmas gifts, the, the Time Life uh, series of the Bionic Man? It may have been, and my bro, Kevin Dillmore, my hetero life mate and my writing partner, uh, hooked me up with that one year. Awesome. Uh, so so. I, 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 I went through, I had not seen the show in, in, you know, at least not to any real degree in years before I cracking the set open. And I went through the whole set, and my daughters actually got into the show. They love the bionic shows they always want to watch steve austin they always want to watch the bigfoots and the death probes and the fembots and the you know it's it's cracking me up because (laughs) bigfoot you would think that a seven-year-old would have no use for a show that's 40 years old but uh they they dig it i'm always getting in fact as recently as last night daddy can we watch steve austin (laughs) that has to warm the heart (laughs) Uh, you're doing something yeah daddy you're doing something right I'm doing something right. I don't yeah. know what, but I'll, you know. Yeah. I loved the $6 million man. I had the toys when I was little, and yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> if, I had, if there was one toy that I could get back from my childhood, it would be that Steve Austin action figure with the hole in the back of his head so you could look through his eyeball. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rubber skin that pulled up and had that. Yeah, panel, the rubber that skin that sealed the bionic little dude. Yeah, I, 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 I wore mine out years ago. Yeah, I how long it was it until you lost that piece of that little piece of bionic plastic that was underneath the uh, five the six minutes? <laughs> yeah, it's gone for you. Instantly. I uh, had the bionic woman doll. I loved yep. that thing more than just, anything. I've tried pricing him to replace one, and man, they, it's, to get one that's in good shape, it's it's a little pricey. I, I can't really Impossible. look my wife in the eye and go, "Yeah, I'm going to spend this much money, honey, for my," you know. Uh, <laughs> she's like, "How old are you again?" Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, here's a promo for the Cyborgs Bionic Podcast. Two longtime fans of two Bionic shows discuss an episode in detail every two weeks with one guest host the six million dollar man the bionic woman the mythology a look behind the scenes those sound effects and the fashions oh my god the fashions cyborgs a bionic podcast Hosted by John S. Drew and Paul K. Bisson. Find us at chronicrift.com slash cyborgs or subscribe on iTunes. And we are back with our number one gifts and what made our number one of our geeky Christmas lists, sci-fi Christmas lists, however we're wording this. And uh, I'm going to start this time. This is one for me that is totally unrealistic. But I saw it, and if it was for sale, I would totally buy it. And it's not for sale. But it, it is a life-size land speeder. And um, <laughs> li- literally... Um, <laughs> It is. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't think you're in on the show notes. So, Dayton, I'm going to paste this into the uh, into the chat window of the Skype window, so you can actually see what I'm talking about. But it is 
It is absolutely, it looks awesome. It looks real and um, it's functional. And, and I just need one to be cruising around the Amish farmland here in my little Star Wars land speeder. But, oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh, look at that thing. Yeah. And, and, and it looks good. It doesn't look like it's, it doesn't look quite look like it's for adults, but still, it looks pretty cool. Nothing good ever is. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> True. That's, you know, yeah, just, just walking through a toy store anymore with my kids, you know, I'm just like, where was all this cool stuff when I was a kid? I, I know. <laughs> I know. No, that, that, you know, it just, I, would, I would want that just for like an hour just to park it on the curb in front of my house. Right. I just want to just pull into in, I just want reaction. To, yeah, I just want to pull into the school parking lot one day with it. Or to a Burger King drive-through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only if it had hydraulic hydraulic lift. That's that's right. Okay. That's right. These are the fries I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh man, you can have so much fun with that. So much fun. Um, <laughs> Dayton, you're next. Uh, what comes in as your number one for you? Well, it's really funny that you bring this up with the land speeder because my number one gift is totally unrealistic, even though you can buy it. It is my Christmas present, birthday present, anniversary present, and midlife crisis all wrapped up into one <laughs> neat package. It is an officially licensed, bona fide, street legal replica of the 1966 Batmobile. <laughs> They're in a company in yes. Indiana called Fiberglass Freaks, and they have the license to create these things. And they have created a deluxe version that's but it goes for 240 grand, but it is street legal, has all the features, all the gizmos, it including it the back end shoots fire. <laughs> it's amazing. It is showroom ready, you know, like for car show quality paint job and all the features, all the trimmings, everything works. And it, you can drive it, you can do whatever you want. It's street legal and the whole ball of wax. And I have joked to my wife that this was my midlife crisis mobile. You know, and of course she wonders again why she didn't marry the high school football quarterback. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is it. This is like the bucket list item to have. I just want—I don't even want to own it. I just want to drive one. Right. They had a replica. I just want to have one for afternoon, so I can drive it around town and you know maybe run a red light, so we can show up on a red light camera photo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They had one of these, a replica at the at, at uh, Shoreleave this past year. I got managed to snap that's a few right. pictures. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just just that is the car to have. I mean, that is the nerd car to have. It oh, is yeah. certainly, certainly. Yeah. So, what what you would dress Kevin Dilmore in, in in his Robin outfit? <laughs> well, he'd ha- yeah, yeah, like he'd have to really, you know, he has one of those. He just never gets a chance to wear it. So, so this would give him an excuse. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> Nice. Uh, John, I would love to be able to pull up in front of my kids' school and pick them up after school. <laughs> just, just once. Just one time. Yeah, in front would of all the friends. Or would they be embarrassed? Yeah, in front of all their no, friends. They would, they would totally dig it. They love the 66 Batman show. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. John, how about for you? What comes in at your number one? My number one is is a total extravagance. It's It's probably, if it's possible, it's even less practical than your life-size land speeder and Dayton's Batmobile. Uh, mine is a piece I found on eBay. It's an original set piece from Star Trek Voyager. It was a piece of a, um, of a panel that was uh, in the engineering section, sort of the rear by the, uh, by the uh, turbolift doors. 
Um, it, it showed up in the, uh, which episode was that? It was in the episode, um, uh, gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to screw it up now. Well, anyway, it was a, it was a big set piece that was used in, in the final season of Voyager, uh, Elkar's diagrams, acutograms and everything battle damaged. They say battle damaged, but I know that they treated the sets like crap when they broke the sets down finally at the end of the show. But you know, it's got a little, it's got those little panels on it that say auxiliary systems, caution, objects and mirror are closer than they appear to be. A stitch in time saves nine in space. No one can hear you scream. They really had a lot of fun when they built these set pieces because they knew no one was going to get that close to them. But they had to make them look look really good. Right. Um, but yeah, I would I would absolutely put this in my living room and pretend and and like put computer panels behind it and make it actually look like it works. That would um, be awesome. Yeah, I couldn't wait until until my friends come over and say, "Um, what's that? Oh, nothing. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Please don't touch it." The episode was, was drone, it. by the way. Drone. That's right. Yes, I know it was a Borg episode. I couldn't remember which one. Yeah, I trolled eBay looking for stuff like that before. I I, I feel you, man. <laughs> Yeah, so if you got five like, grand, you know, like, and you don't. Yeah. Well, well, your, your your wife likes Star Trek Voyager, right? Well, maybe not. Yes that, and no. Yes and no. <laughs> maybe, maybe not quite that much. <laughs> we're actually rewatching Next Generation right now, and and really kind of shocked us how much we're enjoying season two, which is kind of much maligned for its you know real stinkers. But uh, mm. the, you know the one thing about season two that I love, and I'm going to take us on a tangent here. Was how the uh, how the soundtrack they um, they actually um, scored every episode, and some of the most beautiful music you've heard in Star Trek is is in season two of Star Trek: The Next Generation. We'll give it another watch if you don't if you haven't yet. Yeah, oh, I'm with you there. Yep. Absolutely. Well, M, we are up to you. Tell us a little bit what comes in at your number one. I don't want to say because you guys had the coolest, funnest things and like. Uh... This is nothing. This is it's just it makes me appear even more vapid than I am. You're but it's still techie. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, so I I have actually been on the hunt for a really nice bag to carry, laptop, iPad, what have you. But I also with running around a lot, there's not always a place to charge. So I've been looking for a solar bag. And a lot of them are backpacks and I'm not a backpack kind of girl. Um, there was Timbuktu had something called the flap a couple years ago that someone made, and I love a Timbuktu bag. I'll knock over a small child to get to a Timbuktu bag. They're awesome. <laughs> That's I mean, the one that'll be on YouTube later on. Got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're amazingly well constructed bags, but I'm always on the hunt. And so there is a designer, and I thought it was Diane von Furstenberg at first, but it isn't. It's these two. Um, menswear designers who created this really funky looking bag and i put the picture up for you guys it has a solar panel on it but it's part of the design and architecture of the bag and it's really cool ass looking and it would fit a laptop and my iphone and my and all the chargers and everything i needed plus it would charge all my crap as i'm running around town doing stuff it it just it looks badass and it is badass because it's techy and fun and Finding a solar bag is hard, and finding one that's a little bit more feminine is is even harder. So this bag, I would knock over old ladies and children to get to this. Bag. <laughs> uh, uh, now you're up in the ante there. And so the now def- that I've let me get off my pink soap soapbox here and put on my fluffy slippers, as I've completely fulfilled the stereotype of nerd girl. <laughs> yeah, M, you're definitely a geek girl. Yeah. 
This but is a geek girl bag. Don't apologize for it. Don't apologize for it. No, no I'm not apologizing for it, but only I would be like, oh my god, I need a hand about Furstenberg bag with solar power. You have no idea how I've been in a I've been a place where you need a charge, you just can't charge, and having a bag like that would be just awesome. Oh, yeah, like Scott, I can totally see you with like this bag. Airport. Yeah, that that bag is so me. <laughs> well, it's hard like to find the quality. Go, go ahead, Dayton. So, I was going to say everybody fighting over the one outlet at the airport. I know, right? Yeah, but you won't have to. It's it's hard. This one actually is rated very well for the construction of the solar panels, and it's it's. I know it's not going to charge everything, but in that moment where you're like, "crap, I need a phone. I have one bar. I got to do this." It's a nice little saving. It's a nice little like safety net. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You, you would be, you know, people. Be, the women at the sci-fi con would be so jealous of you. Yeah, you walk around that. Yep. All right, Miles, you are up with your number one. Well, it's 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 not necessarily practical, but it's something that um, I definitely could really use. My old my old Kindle is starting to wear out. Um, at the top, the, the the top sentence is kind of uh, cut off the top, so I sometimes have to try to do my best to interpret what what that sentence is, and um, it served me well, but. Um, I I, uh, I need a new Kindle, um, and I've already told uh, asked Santa about this, and I have a pretty good authority that I'll probably I'll probably get a replacement Kindle for this year for Christmas. Do you know which one you're getting? No, I don't. You know, but I'll be happy. You know, it, I mean, the Fire would be awesome, but uh, if I get one that's just just a reader, that's still awesome too. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do not have the Kindle. I mean, I just use my iPad if I'm going to read, or iPhone I'll use to read, but. That's a little too small for me. Yeah, it is for me too, but I have it with me all the time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so any of you guys, Dayton, Dayton, uh, do you have a Kindle? No, believe it or not, I do not have. A, I don't have a dedicated e-reader. No, yeah, um, yeah, but I'm looking to get one. I'm yeah. looking to get one because now the one hurdle that kept me from getting one has been lifted. Apparently, now you can leave it on the entire time you're on a plane. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So that yeah. that would probably when I use it the most is when I travel. Yeah, and that's when I probably get the most uninterrupted reading time. And I I kept saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy one until I can read it gate to gate. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And apparently yeah. they're loosening the regs on it now, so I'm out of excuses. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You think I get one because I write a bunch of stuff that's ebook exclusive. So yeah, uh, but so yeah, one of these days here soon, I plan to get one. Yeah. How about you, John? Do you have one? I am never far from my Kindle. I'm a voracious reader, but I'm actually really, really behind in my reading right now. This time of year, I'm just so focused on work, I don't do much else. Yeah. Uh, you know, save this podcast, of course. Oh, of course, because it's kind of, come kind of a tradition. But yeah, but. yeah, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed, Dayton, because I haven't read uh, I haven't read your book, and I'm only halfway through Una's The Fall book. Uh, so yeah, I'm really, really far behind in my Trek reading, and I'm kind of embarrassed about it. Well, we understand because you're creating all that cool stuff for us. Yeah, because. But but I have you bought it. So awesome at least you daily. have my. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get I get paid whether you read it or not. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You've got my Obviously, care. I'd like to read it. I'd like you to read it, but you know, because then you'll think, well, maybe I should go buy another one from that guy. But, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll, get, right. I'll get the hard copy so you can sign it. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Or you can just sign your Kindle. You know, with it. I actually have signed people's Kindle before. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. 
Well, thanks, guys, for coming on and uh, for chatting about your top sci-fi, five sci-fi gifts that you have on your Christmas list this year. So it was awesome having everyone on. And so we're, we're going we're to go ahead and wrap up the show. Before we do, let's give uh, we're going to give you guys a chance just to plug where people can find out more about you and uh, what you're doing and your products, and uh, and we'll go from there. Um, Dayton, why don't you go ahead and start us out. Uh, where can people find out more about you, what's going on in your world of writing, and so on? You can find way more than you need to know about me uh, at my website, DaytonWard.com, which is basically a splash page and a portal to my blog and my Facebook page and my Twitter feed and uh, email contact and all that. So I tend to babble about whatever topic, you know, fancy i get you know I, I get excited about or interested in or perked about so the the blog can be all over the place i try to keep the tone light though i'm not a ranter too much uh but yeah i will i will alert the parents out there that sometimes i get a little salty with my language so please be advised yeah yeah my, 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 <laughs> it's true it's don't true be, don't judge yeah, don't judge don't judge uh my, my favorite is when you're commenting on drivers but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yep Especially people going the wrong way. But anyways. <laughs> well, only when they're going to kill me or they threaten to kill me. Otherwise, I really don't care. Right, 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 when they, right. When they almost kill me, I tend to take notice. Right, right, right. Like, so stuff like that sticks they, in your mind. Someone, as someone who uses vulgarity as like punctuation and sentences like commas, colons and stuff, Hello? I respect it and, and I admire that. So I was going to say, I actually got a letter once for my use of profanity. Uh, my, 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 uh, my. My unusual use of profanity, I guess. I got a letter of commendation. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Which is why you're you're a part of the G and T show, right? Yeah, I help them get their explicit rating on a pretty regular basis. Right. right, right. <laughs> well, that's we gotta help where we can. Yeah, hey, gotta do, do we gotta do what we can. John, how about you? Where can people find out more about you and what you're doing and uh, so forth? You can stalk me on Twitter at uh, Frazier, that's F-R-A-I-Z-E. Uh, please come send me a message. I will respond to everybody who comes talk to me. If you, wanna, if you have any product ideas for ThinkGeek, you can email me at Frazier at ThinkGeek.com, F-R-A-I-Z-E at ThinkGeek.com. Um, and I, I promise I will entertain any crazy idea you've got. You'd be surprised. Uh, some of the really awesome ideas that I get from unsolicited emails just saying, hey, I've got this idea for a bag of holding for women. I'm like, oh, really? Make that happen. Right. Awesome. Awesome. And they can obviously visit the Think Geek site. Yeah. To find all sorts of geeky products. And uh, what is, uh, can, can you give us real quickly what's one of your favorite products that Think Geek has right now? I know picking one out well, of all their products, but it's kind of hard, but something that you're really excited about right now. You're going to make me choose my favorite child? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, cool. my favorite child right now is, uh, is like I was talking about the handbag of holding. Um, we, took the, uh, we took the regular bag of holding that was, has been our perennial top seller for, gosh, six years now uh, and feminized it a little bit. I had a little purple interior, made some uh, shoulder bags, some, some, some shoulder straps, some arm straps. Um, it, it holds... It holds a metric crap ton, which is, uh, I think that's a, an English uh, buttload. Um, it holds a lot. It holds a laptop. It holds your power supply. It holds your iPad, your Kindle, uh, a pile of books. It's, it's enormous. Um, it, like Doctor Who style, it's bigger on the inside. That's right. Um, you know, if you, if you put a solar charger in that thing, you get at least one buy that I know of. 
right. way yeah. ahead of you. Right. <laughs> hey, oh, really? Because I just ordered that this weekend. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, uh, you're gonna love it. It's not gonna have a solar. It's not gonna have a solar panel. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you offline about why solar panels on bags are, don't work that well. Uh, sorry to ruin rain on your parade, but <laughs> hey, no, I mean I'm not gonna. This is this was definitely cheaper than the thirteen hundred dollar ones. <laughs> but as soon as I you mentioned you had mentioned it previously, and my, so I've been keeping my eyes open and. Um, the, the, Will Wheaton jokes about uh, drunk him buying stuff for himself, and like stuff just shows up on his doorstep. And I'm, I I saw the email like the next morning, like, oh, your bag of holding, blah, blah, blah. When did I order? The- oh, Erica <laughs> sent me. Just ordered that bag for myself. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. So yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dayton, for uh, coming on the Sci-Fi Diner tonight. Oh, I love doing this me. every year, guys. Yeah. Dayton, it was great having you on again. Yeah, it was great having yeah, you back. Great. Yeah, definitely it's having. Been too long. It has definitely been too long, so we'll have to have you back on next year. When we do our Christmas episode again, but but anyways, we appreciate everyone tuning in tonight to the Sci-Fi Diner episode 190 here, as we talked about as we get ready for Christmas and share our top geeky gifts. Hey, if any benevolent listener out there wants to buy us some of these gifts, we will not argue with you. So I have no problem receiving gifts. No, absolutely not, <laughs> and neither will Dayton or John for that matter. That's for sure, but. I will pour an extra driveway for the Batmobile. Bring it on. Bring it on, <laughs> bring it on land speeder. I have parking in the barn for that. So bring it on. Uh, well, thank you again for tuning in tonight. And uh, until next time. Until next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Don't forget to do your dailies. Woohoo! Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs> <laughs>